Hey, Audio Road listener, what is your profit per mile? How about your cost per mile or even your bottom line? Stop driving blind and know your numbers. Profit Gages is absolutely simple bookkeeping specifically for owner operators. Have instant access to business and tax reports that will help you increase your profits and keep your money in your pocket where it belongs. Sign up for Profit Gages today and take advantage of our 30-day free trial. Know your numbers and master the journey. Visit our website at letstruck.com or call our Tribe Care team at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today, well, it's a free-for-all. We've got Larry Wingett with us for the hour. We're going to be taking your calls and answering your questions about anything you want to talk about. So we're going to jump right in and get to it. Larry, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. I like a free-for-all. It's a it's a free-for-all. Anything goes. So, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now, but before we get to stuff, i got to tell you a story. You have a son in law enforcement, correct? That's right. SWAT team. Yep. That's what I thought. And, I, you know, I have always been – I've just always respected law enforcement. I have. I grew up. I had a brother-in-law that was in law enforcement, and – you know, there was a time when I was young and stupid. I got in a lot of trouble. But the one thing that I never did, when I got caught doing something wrong, I didn't argue. I, I knew I was doing something wrong. If I got a ticket, I just took the ticket. And, you know, I would hear people all the time tell stories about being hassled by the cops. Have you watched the show yet, Live PD? I watched part of one the other day. Just uh, somebody else told me that I ought to catch it. And I saw that it was on and I flipped over and just caught part of it. You know, I, I've been watching it. I'm kind of fascinated by it. I don't I don't uh, get out. I try to stay away from people even when I am out. So I like watching that show because I'm amazed at how stupid people can really be. <laughs> Come on, Kevin. No, I am. Nobody should be amazed at our age and how stupid people can be. <laughs> and I, I'll watch these people. They are clearly doing all kinds of things wrong, and yet they will fight and argue. And I'll think, you know, you, you probably would have walked away, and now you're going to jail just because you, you decided to argue. Well, I, I had an incident last week. I talked about this over the weekend, so my listeners know, and... I realize this is a very, very small part of law enforcement, but when this happens, it was absolutely criminal. I'm on a, an extended road trip in the coach. I'm going to be out for a couple months. And I was heading down through Texas from Amarillo down to Fort Worth for an event. And there's a little town down there, Childress, Texas. And as you're heading down 287, the speed limit's 75. But you hit all these little towns, so it drops all the way down to 35 in town, then speeds back up. There were just cops everywhere pulling people over, and I thought, I'm going to be really careful. My GPS would warn me every time the speed limit was slowing down, and I would reset my cruise for one mile an hour less than the speed limit. I thought, I'm not getting a ticket. I haven't had a ticket in about 10 years. So 
I'm almost through this little town, and I see a cop on the side of the road, local cop. He pulls out right behind me. As soon as he pulls out behind me, another one pulls out from somewhere on the left. I didn't even see him and gets right up next to me, and they both hit their lights, and they pull me over, and I thought, wonder if I have a taillight out. I didn't make any lane changes. I wasn't speeding. So I step out on the sidewalk. The cop walks up. He's just as friendly as can be, and he said, you came into town a little fast. And I thought, well, first off, no, I didn't because I reset my cruise at every sign. And second off, how would you know? Because you were almost at the other end of town. So, but I'm not going to argue. I was really polite. I said, well, you know, I thought I was watching all the signs. Maybe I missed one. And he said, well, come on back. So we sit in the car. He takes my license. He calls it in. And he just, he's talking and asking questions. And I'm thinking, I'm not really sure why he pulled me over. He didn't mention, you know, how fast I was going or which sign I missed or whatever it was. And I thought, he's just going to let me go. I wonder why he even bothered to pull me over. And then the dispatcher comes back on the radio and starts reading off a list of violations going all the way back to 06. And DUI, uh, unauthorized use of credit cards, unauthorized use of a motor vehicle. At some point, I lost track. And I looked at him and I said, officer, you probably hear this a lot, but that's not me. I said, I haven't had a ticket in 10 years. And he said, and his whole demeanor changed. And he said, when was the last time you were in jail? And I said, well, uh, I got in a fight once when I was in the Army. I was about 20, and I spent the weekend in jail. I said, but that was the last time. And he said, is there anything in that coach I need to know about? Because I'm searching it. And I thought to myself, he has no probable cause to search that other than all that stuff he just pulled up. And I wasn't even sure if there was anything in there that gave him probable cause. But at this point, I think I'm not going to jail over this. So I told him everything I had, a couple loaded weapons, a couple things that are legal in Oregon and not in Texas. And he went up, both of them searched the whole coach inside out, probably 45 minutes. And he came back and he said, I could take you to jail and give you about a two to $3,000 fine. He said, but you've been really polite. You told me everything. He said, are you willing to go over in front of a judge right now and plead guilty to paraphernalia? He said, it'll be a $500 ticket and I'll let you go. And I said, sure. So I paid the $500 fine on the spot. They charge you $25 to use your $24 to use your credit card. And I got out of there. And I thought, at first I thought maybe somebody stole my identity. And then I thought, wait a minute. Those, that records they went all the way back to 06. So I called a couple people I know in law enforcement, had them run my record. Nothing comes up. I had LifeLock do a nationwide search. Nothing came up. This was a total scam. Wow. So what are you going to do? Nothing. Not a thing. <laughs> I thought about it, and I thought, when I go back through there, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to ask him to pull my record because I want to see it. And then I thought, wait a minute. If they were willing to do what they did, completely falsify records, search my vehicle with no probable cause, what would stop them from just 
planning something on me and throwing me in jail. So I decided not to go back. That didn't seem yeah. like such a good idea. <laughs> you know, that's that's a hell of a story, Kevin. Yeah, I thought so too. But the key was, uh, you know, the key was you pick your battles. And uh, you picked your battle and decided it was best to uh, remove yourself from what could have potentially become a worse situation. Yeah. You know what was top on my mind was I had to get down to an event that I was being paid for and 100 people were coming to. And I thought, this would not be good if I end up in jail right now. Yeah. Yeah, if you're right, you you step back and looked at the bigger picture. Uh, not all of us have that uh, ability to do. I uh, I admire that because I, I think I might have lost it. I was close. I, I You know, at first I wasn't because at first I thought it's just a mistake. And, you know, I understand why his demeanor changed, all that stuff on the record. You know, something like this could happen. But then while they were up searching the coach and at that point, you know, it's too late. Um, that's when I really started thinking about it, thinking, wait a minute, th- this isn't right. Something, this wasn't some mistake. They had my driver's license correct. My birthday, everything that they read back was correct, except the record. And it, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I get it. We have rules. I try to live by the rules. If I break them, I'll take the punishment. But what do you do when law enforcement just blatantly breaks the rules like that? Well, what you said is that very few times does that happen. And for the most part, law enforcement does a great job taking care of all of us. Yes. And so uh, you just have to say there's always going to be an exception, and you truly were dealing with the exception. I uh, I applaud law enforcement, um, and I think most of the time they get a really bad rap. But in this case, the people you dealt with earned it. Yeah, they they sure did this time. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I've told the story to a couple people I know, and it turns out that this is not uncommon uh, in that particular town. I've talked to some other people that had stories about that town, so it sounds like it's been going on for a while. You know, it, it's shocking, though. You would think that some—I mean, I thought about what I could do. You know, do I contact the attorney general in the state? And I don't know. I've been busy, so I haven't thought about it. It just happened. Um, So I don't know. But you would think at some point they'd get caught at this because it was pretty blatant. Well, maybe you make that um, uh, something you want to take on now that you're away from there because they certainly (laughs) can't come and find you and extradite you. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, well, actually, you know, I I was in uh, Fort Worth for about a week, and I'm on my way to, I'm on, like I said, an extended road trip. I'm going to go to uh, Minneapolis, and then Louisville, and then another event back out in California before I finally get home. But I thought, you know what? I think I'm just going to get out of Texas. I drove one one exit into Oklahoma there at the uh, big casino, and I'm parked here for a couple weeks. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, Which, uh, since I'm from Oklahoma, uh, there's a lot of good eating in Oklahoma. You're going to Louisville, which I was just in Louisville, and it's been one of my very favorite restaurants in the country called Proof on Main. You have to go there. Oh, let me uh, let me get to a break. The music's playing. We're gonna come back. I gotta ask you about that. 
We will be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstrek.com. Larry Wingate is here with me. Larry, so I'm going to guess that uh, when you were in Louisville, that was the event with Mercer. Is that correct? That's right. Ah, so was that a good time? Yep. You know, it was a great time. Uh, I like talking to truckers and trucking companies, and uh, they were very gracious to me, and I had a wonderful time talking to them, and I actually really enjoy Louisville. Uh, turns out I was in that very same hotel exactly one year before, and it was also uh, 17 degrees outside uh, when I was doing the Chimney Sweep Association. Louisville is not my favorite place when it's 17 degrees, but uh, I do like Louisville. Lots of good bourbon, and I'm a bourbon guy, So, uh, but lots of good food, too. And, and, and bourbon's brown, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Just in case I ever need to order one on an airplane. Yeah. Now, there's a story for you. You did listen to that stuff. There you go. I did. I did. I listened to all your stuff. You know, it, it, you cover topics that people think about or happen, you know, they happen all the time, but you've always got such a great story and a great perspective on it. And, you know, when I when I heard that story, I thought to myself, and I've said this to Lisa many times, I am always, and I say shocked, I don't know why I'm still shocked at this age, at people who just don't know much about their job at all. Well, you know, that was sort of, uh, and, and the people that didn't hear the story, they ought to go over in my podcast. But when a, when you order a bourbon on a plane and the flight attendant says, I don't drink, I know, don't know what bourbon is, that is part of their job, to know what bourbon is. And, uh, you, you know, for her to explain, and I said to her, you know, I bet you learned that in training, and I'm not meaning to be a jerk about this, but come on. And she said, well, actually, my job is to keep you safe. And I said, well, I think the likelihood of somebody ordering a bourbon is much higher than the likelihood of the plane crashing. So in the meantime, maybe I'll learn what bourbon is. And then when she said to me, well, why don't you just name them and uh, I'll see if I have them. You know, and my response was, there are hundreds of them. Do you want me to start alphabetical or what? (laughs) And then she brought me a a gin and a vodka. No, 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 no. Read the labels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you you have flown a lot. I, I don't fly nearly as much anymore. I, I prefer traveling in my coach when I have to go because that way if I do want a bourbon, I know right where it is. Um, in all the times you've flown, obviously all the times I've flown, I really appreciate that they're there and they're trained in safety and to keep us safe. But honestly, I've never once needed that. But on every single flight, they serve me something. Yeah, and you know, the rest of that story was 
you know, a few days later when I'm on Southwest and the lady next to me orders a black coffee and the flight attendant says, um, and what would you like in that? The woman said, black coffee. And she said, I know, but do you want cream or sugar? She said, I want black coffee. Now, how do you get to be a grown human being and not know what black coffee is? It comes with nothing in it. That That is the it's definition. people not paying attention. Yeah, not paying attention, or they don't know how to do their jobs, or they don't care enough. They're not engaged enough. And I think that's what really applies to all of us. Are we engaged with our surroundings, whether it be our customers, our family, our husband or wife, our kids? Are we engaged enough to really uh, know how to respond and react appropriately? Uh, And I don't think most of us are. No, I would agree. You know, it, it, and those things seem like just really, really basic things as part of that job. How, how has though either one of those questions, how did they never come up before? Or, or I'm sure they did. And you're right. You have to be completely not paying attention to not catch on to that sooner or later. Yeah. And, you know, Kevin, I, I always think of my stories. Maybe it's because of what I do for a living. But when I go through a story like that, I try to step back and say, how does this apply to all areas of life and so forth? And I really do think that that engagement and involvement thing is a major part of the, the problem we're having right now in society. I don't think people are involved. I don't think that they're engaged. I think one of the reasons we're having so many issues right now with uh, kids in schools is because parents aren't engaged. They aren't involved. Uh, They don't know what their kids are doing. They don't know who their kids' friends are. We are not engaged at much any level. We don't know what our spouse is doing. We don't know what's going on online with our kids or spouses or whatever, with our finances. We're just not paying attention. You know, I, I and I, I listened to another one of your episodes where you were talking about less. That that's your word of the year. I didn't even know people had words of the year. I yeah. thought that was kind of a great idea. And I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they do. You do anyway. You know, I and I think that's part of the problem. I think everybody wants more, more, more. They're working all the time. You know, we're we're in this hyper connected world. Nobody ever you know, turns anything off. And and because of it, they're so absolutely distracted. You're right. They're just not paying attention to anything. Well, the idea of less and the word of the year thing just came about from me seeing a post on a Facebook thing said this was about they wanted to pick a word for the year. And everybody's post that they were making to this, they were all words around, you know, getting richer and getting healthier and more, 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 more. And, and I really gave it a thought, and instantly I decided less was my word. I want uh, less of just about everything. I want l- less food. I want less people. I want less drama, less uh, interaction. I certainly want uh, less conflict. And uh, uh, I even want less work. And when we start thinking about less work, and I know you have some of your people that are listening to this thinking, I want more work. No, you want more of the right kind of work. You want less of the wrong kind of work. So what we need to do is get absolute clarity about what matters most, and that's what we want more of. 
But when we have absolute clarity about what matters most, then we have clarity about what doesn't really matter that much. And that's what we want a whole lot less of. Well, it starts with the clarity and then making the decision not to become involved in things that don't move you forward. You know, it's interesting you bring that up now. I I went on the air in April of 07, and it was a weekend show. That was was all they would give me was a weekend to see if I could do it because I had never really done radio before. Uh, And it must have worked out okay because a couple months later they gave me seven nights a week plus the weekends. And some of them were recorded, so, you know, we we were able to have two days off. The the problem is when you have to work weekends and you run a business, it, it became impossible, especially the last couple of years, for Lisa and I to get any real time off. You know, you, you can't really work three days a week running a business, and Saturday and Sunday you can't interact with anybody else that works, your employees, your vendors. So it really came to a head recently, and I, I had to make a pretty tough decision. I, I called Sirius, and I said, look, I, I've got to come off the weekends. You know, we've got to come up with another schedule, or I'm just going to quit doing the show. Uh, it, and I didn't put it that bluntly, but that was basically what I told them. And they said, well, well, let's fix that. You know, you have the weeknight shows that you've been pre-recording. What if you just do those live? We'll play those on the weekend. Contracts up in May, we'll look at giving you some more hours during the week. So that was a big decision, though. It, it, but it was that same idea. I, I, I just want less right now. I, I don't want to work that hard anymore. Well, what I think people have to understand is even if you're not doing everything right or as well as you should be doing it uh, in any area of your life or your business, you're doing something right. If you did less of the things that you were doing wrong, what you would be left with would be more good. And so your results would improve, even without you getting any better. If you just did less of what didn't work. That makes a lot of sense. That's what I need to do, less of what doesn't work. I like that. Well, that's why I said it. You know, I didn't want to be the other day. <laughs> and the... And, and the person doing the interview, every time I would say something, they would say, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and after about ten times, I stopped and I said, okay, you need to stop saying that's true. Of course it's true. I didn't come out here to lie to you or to any of your listeners. I only came on here to tell the truth. Why don't you start saying that's brilliant, that's genius, because that's what I'm giving you here. <laughs> well, you know, you, you just kind of touched on one of my pet peeves recently in speech. I've noticed that. And it's the younger crowd, but not always. Um, when people start a sentence with, I'm not going to lie. Well, does that mean if you don't start the sentence that way, I should assume you are lying? Yeah, that's what it means, actually. Yeah, I, I, that when people start a sentence like that, it just kind of makes me crazy. Because then I think, well, the last six sentences, you didn't start that way. You must have been lying. Now I have to wonder. There's the, I know. We have uh, gotten real lazy in our language. We really have. People don't understand what the word literally means. Uh, and that's just become almost a cliche joke. You know, Lisa's really good at catching me once in a while. She'll say, you know, words matter. And I'll say, you're absolutely right. I'm glad you caught me. I've got to get to a break. The music's playing. We will come right back. We're going to get to some of your calls and questions. We've got Larry Wingate with us. Hey, 
check out his website, check out his YouTube. Well, it's all on his website. Go to the website. He's got great material there. We will be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let's Truck. Larry Wingett is here with me. We're talking about all kinds of things. We're going to get to some of your questions in just a minute here. Um, Larry, you know, I, I've been watching business this year. I'm kind of excited about it. And, you know, I, I didn't vote for Trump. i really not crazy about him as a person. But so far, you know, as far as business and the economy goes, and, and I realize he doesn't control the whole economy, but he, he set a tone for business. He, you know, he, he's just been slashing regulations, which I think is amazing. The tax cuts were certainly very, very pro-business. And it seems to me like over the last, uh, boy, it's been a while, since since the real slowdown in 07, 08. So we're talking about a decade it just felt to me like business was kind of holding its breath. You know, companies were sitting on cash. They weren't hiring a lot of people. They weren't expanding much. And all of a sudden, it feels like it, that the economy has just kind of let loose. We're seeing it in trucking. I, I We do a lot of accounting for our clients, and, and I'm seeing numbers that I haven't seen in three decades. I mean, we're, we're seeing record-setting numbers with small owner-operators, and I just think it's exciting. Oh, I think it is, too, and it's not just in your industry. We're feeling that in all industries right now. Um, my business is a reflection of that as well because uh, over the last 10 years, uh, meeting attendance was down. People were having to make the decision, should I spend the money to go to my association meeting? Corporations were having to decide, should we spend the money to have a meeting and pay for all of our people to come in? And so the meetings industry was way off, so my business was way off. And now people are saying, you know, uh, we're optimistic. We're actually seeing results. And uh, so they're spending the money again. And, you know, we, you, you talked about Trump. I feel about Trump like you feel about Trump. On a personal level, I don't like him very much. And then I think we have to look at Trump like we have to do a lot of our employees, that we judge results. And that's what we pay people to give us is results. And it's not always about liking the person. Uh, it's about measuring what we're hiring them to do, and that is produce results. And he's produced some pretty darn good results. He really has. You know, clearly when I'm looking for a friend, which I'm usually not, um, I, I, I definitely want a friend that I like, somebody I, I could spend time with and enjoy being around. And But you know, if it's politicians or leaders or, you know, like you said, even employees, I don't have to like them. I'm, I'm not there to hang out and enjoy their company. It, it's all about results. And yep. I, I can't remember um, a president where we got these kind of results. I know he gets compared to, to Reagan a lot, but 
those were the years I certainly remember that, but those were the years where I wasn't paying attention much. So uh, we were coming out of a horrible recession then. I was just graduating. I certainly remember that. But I, I am just really excited about what's going on in business. You mentioned, you know, events and, and speaking. That's why I'm on an extended road trip. I have got uh, I put together one, two, three, four, uh, four events back to back. And I, I was just flooded with invitations this year. I haven't been out speaking, you know, maybe once a year for the last couple of years. And all of a sudden, I've just got invitations flooding in. Well, and I think uh, it's only going to get better because business is primarily an attitude. The economy is primarily an attitude. At some point, it becomes, yeah, there is enough money, there isn't enough money, there's enough business, there isn't enough business. But it starts with an attitude. And there's an attitude right now in our country that we have not seen in a long time. Optimism is at a, at a real high that we haven't seen in years and years and years. And that attitude, that optimism, is what's driving us right now, and it's driving tangible results. Now, what I always do, as I explained this a minute ago, is how do you take a story and expand on that story. Let's take that story. If we see it right now in our economy and in our country that, that attitude and optimism is driving better results, how can we translate that to what's going on in our individual businesses? If we sit around with this negativeness about things are bad, things suck, that will impact our results. If we get optimistic and enthusiastic about our results and have that level of optimism uh, and, and start to act on that, we will improve our results. I couldn't agree more. I, I always, you know, when I'm talking to people about this, I tend to put it in the sense of you get more of what you focus on. It's kind of like paying attention. You get more of what you pay attention to. You get more of what you focus on. And clearly, when you run a business, there are problems. And, and I don't, you know, say, oh, no, they're not problems, they're opportunities, or there are clearly problems, and you got to fix them. But you can get yep. stuck in that downward spiral of, of looking for problems and constantly focusing on them rather than just fix them and move on. And the other thing can happen. Like you said, you look at the optimism and not in a, you know, Pollyanna sort of way, but just saying, look, things are good. You know, people are, because of the tax cuts, people are seeing bigger paychecks already. They're seeing bonuses. I, Nancy Pelosi calls them crumbs, but they're bonuses. And, and for most people, those were big bonuses, and they were meaningful, and they feel optimistic. And, you know, I, I, it just felt to me like we were just in a 10-year spiral of kind of just holding and, and looking at a lot of negative. And now it, it's yeah, and there was a feeling of desperation. We that I think more than just a holding pattern. We didn't see an end. Uh, there was no light at the end of the tunnel uh, because things had been that downward spiral that you were talking about. So the opposite of of optimism is desperation. And I too am not one that just talks about positive attitude all the time. You know, I don't believe in all that stuff really. But I do believe that optimism is the hope uh, that if we act on it, things will improve, and that's what we're seeing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in our industry. It was just a timing thing. 
we had a major regulation change happen at the same time that this was all turning around. And it had to do with hours of service and logbooks. They, they've been paper forever. Yeah. So you could cheat them all you wanted. Now it's all electronic. And that just absolutely split the industry. There are people that think it's the worst thing that ever happened and they're just miserable about it. And yet it, it added to the, the positive outcomes that we're seeing in the industry because it did limit capacity. You know, we had, we had people who cheated on their logbooks. And because of that, we moved more freight than we should have been able to move. And now with the economy picking up and hours being limited with the electronic logs, rates have just gone through the roof. But it's, it, it's always interesting to me to watch how the same events are happening, but people perceive them two completely different ways, just polar opposites. And so what you're saying and what I've been saying is it really comes down to personal choice. Anybody that's running their business can always find something and focus on something that is negative about the business. And if it really impacts your bottom line, uh, your ability to get the work done, of course you should focus on it as long as it takes to fix it, comply with it, do something about it. But if it's something that you have just chosen and it is personal choice, uh, to wallow in and bitch about and whine about and complain about, as so many people do, that does not move you forward. It keeps you stuck and eventually moves you backwards. And with optimism, focusing on the good things that are going on, we can create better results. Personal choice. That's true. And it's brilliant. It's, it really is. That was good stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We are coming up on our final break. You know, Larry, I had a whole list of things we could talk about, but uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to head into this break. We're going to come back and we're going to get to the questions. I just realized, though, I looked down. What was the name of that restaurant in Louisville? I didn't write it down. Proof on Main. Proof on Main. I am looking forward to a good restaurant. I haven't, I, I ate out once at, uh, where did we go? Uh, I was in Dallas. I've been eating in the coach, which I kind of like. I'd rather eat my own cooking most of the time than go out unless I can find a really good restaurant. So I am looking forward. And, you know, Louisville, I don't think most people think of Louisville as a real food town, but I have had some really good meals in Louisville. Well, I have too. And there are lots of good restaurants. That happens to be my favorite have what they call the bones. It's a, it's a bone marrow plate oh. that they serve with all this great crostini and it's sliced shin beef shin bones that is just, oh my goodness, it just makes you cry. You, you can't go wrong with bone marrow. Even my dog loves them. I give my dog frozen bone marrow bones every night. He goes crazy over them. With, uh, I've got to get go. to, I've got to get to a break. We will be right back with more stuff. Stick around. Kevin Rutherford, Larry Wingett's with us. Check out his website. It's LarryWingett.com. Don't go away.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I've got Larry Wingett here with me. We're going to get to some phone calls and see what it is you want to talk about. We're going to head off to Arizona. JR, welcome to the program. What do you got today? Hey, Kevin. Larry, how you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Good, good. Hey, uh, you really got me on that children's story. Holy cow. I'm an ex-cop, and that kind of graft and uh, corruption irritates the crap out of me. And me too. I've never... I've, I've been out there forever, and I've never, ever run into anybody. Of course, as soon as they pull me over, tell them I'm an ex-cop. So they probably know, well, you don't want to mess with this guy. But still, you know, the only thing I can tell you, Kevin, is they got $500 a year. That is, that's unacceptable to me. Yeah. So what I would do if I were you, is if it happened to me, the number one law enforcement, it was set up back in the early days of the country, the number one law enforcement officer in the state is the county sheriff. Nobody in the state can come tell the county sheriff what to do over his county because he is the number one guy. He's king. So I would contact the county sheriff of Childress, file a complaint there, and if he's in it on it, because what gets me is this ain't just a cop thing. This is a dispatcher thing. She came back with all the charges. This has got to go all the way to the chief. Right. I mean, we're talking 30s and 40s corruption here. You know what I'm saying? And the judge. You know, it, it was so. It, it was. Exactly. It was almost. All in it together. It was almost comical, because you know, here I am on the side of the road, and I he know. says, "He says, look, I'll see if there's a judge available, and if there is, would you be willing to just go over and plead guilty? It'll be a five hundred dollar ticket, and you can be on your way." And I said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Should I drive over?" And he said, "Yeah, just follow me." So, you know, I'm in a big coach, a little town. we got to go through these tiny little back streets. We get over to the police department. It's not a big place. And you walk in, and there's a room there that's about the size of a closet. The judge is sitting there in this little room. He hands me a phone number. He said, take your phone out, put it on speakerphone, and dial this number. So I did, and it's a pay-by-credit-card prompt system. So you go all through that you put in, you know, your violation number, you put in your credit card number. It, not only did they get $500, they get $24 for a convenience fee for using your credit card. They give you a confirmation number. The judge looks at me. As soon as they read the confirmation number, he said, have a nice day. I, I, I was speechless by oh, that point. Geez. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what, Kevin, I'm telling you. They, they have to have some type of record. Where did this record on you come from? It had to be made up. So totally. you contact the sheriff, and then if that, they don't get anything there, you go to the, uh, the state uh, police, and you file it there. And if you don't get anything there, then you go to the attorney general and say, hey, you guys got a part of the state that is so corrupt, I think I'm in the 30s or 40s. And then say, I'm Kevin you know, Rutherford. I'm on the radio. I'm going to put this out to everybody. You, you guys don't want this. Play the political crap on them. Man, I would be, I would personally go to that officer, judge, and make sure they went to jail because this is crap. And yeah. trust me, a cop don't want to go to jail, even in Texas. But still, this, this just, oh, this just got me on fire, something fierce. We haven't put up with this kind of crap since the 30s and 40s, sir, and I'm sorry, but no, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I would be all over this like flies on crap. Well, you don't do not you, let them, you know, bo- just get your $500 back and another million for false arrest. You, you, 
Well, you know what? What what really got me, Larry? This my thought was: this is so blatant that if how how does this continue to go on? Well, it's because nobody does the follow up. It's easier Maybe to so. let it go and say, "I'm thankful I've been able to move on." It takes effort to go back and fix stuff like this, and I think that's what he's talking about, and that's what I was mentioning. It's going to take some effort, but eventually. It's like making it worth it for the next guy. You got to do this. You got to do the right thing on that. Well, now you got me thinking. I because I was just gonna blow it off, and you know, I was kind of feeling. At one point, I was feeling lucky. I got out of there with just a five hundred dollar fine. Um, but you're right. I, I'm gone now. There isn't anything they can do to me. They can't come get me for this. So, I guess you're right. I do have to do the right thing because th- this was this is paying it forward. Yeah. You're right. This was uh, this was blatantly obvious, and like I said, I can't imagine that this just goes on. Um, I'm sure I'm not the first. They were very good at the whole routine, so I think this is a regular thing for them. Unbelievable. So... Uh, On another one of your episodes I was listening to and and coming back to the less thing, less people, less less everything, I should probably let Lisa tell the story because this was really her story, but uh, I've been following it while I've been on the road. You know, we moved into a tiny little town in Oregon. We just love it there, love the views. We're in a a neighborhood that only had 11 houses in it, so it's very quiet, and when I got there and started meeting a few people, somehow we ended up kind of running the HOA. Um, I'm the president. Lisa's the secretary. She does all the work for the HOA, but it's only 11 houses, or it was. Of course she does. I know. That's what Lisa does. So it, it's 11 houses, so it was no big deal, And but it's, it's growing now. The economy's growing. The building houses there. It's, now it's becoming a popular place. We had a, a, an issue that came up that we had to deal with. There's a whole bunch of green space in the HOA, and it's not being used, and it's not being taken care of because we don't charge enough dues to landscape it all and take care of it. So it's just kind of wild, which is fine. One of the homeowners built a house, and they're on a slope, and they wanted to build a deck out over the slope. But that's HOA land, and it's green space. So they came up with the idea, we have all this available green space. Why don't we allow homeowners to kind of annex some of it? And you can't build a structure on it, but you, we would allow decks or landscaping. And in order to do that, you have to take care of the land. You have to landscape it and maintain it. And it seemed like a great way to get some of this land taken care of and, you know, give the homeowner a little extra. And I thought, why w- and the homeowner has to pay all the legal fees to make it happen. So we wrote it all up. I thought, that's a great idea. You would not believe the fight that we have over this. And I I can't understand why anybody would oppose this. It's not encroaching on anybody else's property. It's it's all on the outside boundaries. And like I said, it's gets the land taken care of and landscaped and maintained, and yet we have people that are getting just downright nasty over this. Well, you know, we see that in all areas of our society, though, right now. It's not about whether something makes sense. It's about whether we like it or not. 
And we have such a, a sense of entitlement right now that uh, if we don't like it, we believe that the fact that we don't like it and it doesn't make us happy, we're not going to allow anybody else to be happy as a result. And, uh, you know, yours is just a microcosm of what we see going on in society. Maybe that's why I, I keep saying I'm shocked at, at this kind of behavior, because no matter how hard I try, I just can't seem to understand it. I looked at this issue before we ever brought it up to anybody, and I thought, nobody would oppose this. There's absolutely no reason to oppose this. It makes total sense for everybody. And somehow I couldn't get my mind to even think that way. And Lisa had to run the meeting. We had the meeting at our house, and and she said it just got downright nasty. Well, doesn't it make just as much sense? Now, let's grow that issue up. Doesn't it make just as much sense to have to show an ID to vote? Oh, oh, yeah. I, I, when I first heard this I mean, issue... I you have to show an ID to do pretty much anything. When I first heard this issue that they were, like, debating, and I thought, wait a minute, what, what is their debate? I didn't understand that you didn't have to show an ID to vote. I thought, how can that possibly be? One of our most important responsibilities in this country. And, and you don't have to show an ID. Where did that ever come from? And you know what somebody told me? I, I got know, so who could argue with that? I got into an argument with one of my neighbors about this. It was a friendly debate. I mean, we're friends. And this issue came up. And I said, I can't understand for the life of me why you could possibly oppose this. And she, she's a, a social worker. And she says, but Kevin, you don't understand. Some people just can't afford that ID. And I said, you know what? Let's not even go there. But if that's the only case, then let's just give them free IDs. I, 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 you know, that's not, I'm not wild about that idea, but I'd much rather give them a free ID than say you don't have to have an ID to vote. Well, but see, that's one issue that it's seemingly from a logical, common sense standpoint that should not be political, should not be partisan. It makes so much sense. I can't imagine anyone having an argument for it. Yet, yeah. <laughs> there's a huge argument for it, that, and, and that's the same thing that's happening in your little HOA there. Unbelievable. Well, there's the music, Larry. We did it. We killed an hour. I certainly appreciate it. Great stuff. Always something to think about, and uh, we'll do it again real soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff. Hey, check out Larry's wing. Larry's website, it's LarryWingit.com. Tons of great material there. We will see you next time. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Did you know that 35% of fuel economy can be attributed to your driving habits? Use the ScanGauge KR to maximize your driving efficiency. The ScanGauge KR has built-in and programmable digital gauges that allow you to read instant fuel mileage, average fuel economy, and dozens more gauges as you drive. Get to know your truck and learn how you can improve your fuel costs 
and keep your money in your pocket where it belongs. Drive smarter and master the journey. Get yours today at Let'sTruck.com or call our TribeCare team at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. I really wanted to leave on vacation this winter, but had some unexpected bills. Broker's Lamina made the difference between five months of cold and nice hot sand between my toes. John's ambient temperature went from minus to plus with the loan from Broker's Lamina at 1-800-NEW-CREDIT. It's easy to apply over the phone or online at lamina.ca. Get approved instantly, up to $1,000 with no documents or credit checks, and pay back over three to five months. Call 1-800-NEW-CREDIT or apply online at lamina.ca.